I'm Nikki Pope. And I'm Lily Cox. And this is the Respectfully Podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Respectfully Podcast. Today we are joined by Carolyn Newman, Director of her own colour and education consultancy business. Hello. Hello. (laughs) And Kerry Cushion, Creative Director at Metropolis, a large salon in Kingston. I know Kerry runs a clientele but also does a lot of education and show work. Hello everyone. (laughs) And we're talking about colour. And more specifically, the changes that we're seeing at the moment in the colour market. So, Carolyn, do you want to kick us off with what you are noticing as like the big changes in the last six months or so? Well, I think for me, I, I always start off by saying it's a very exciting time to be a colourist. And I think in previous years in our industry, um, the cutters were the rock stars of hairdressing. And through the last few years, and I know through an event like Colour World UK, it's the colourists that are the rock stars of the hairdressing world. And colour has become, I think, much more accessible to anyone. Um, And I think that's driven by social media, but it's also driven by the changes in the the colour market. Certainly. And Kerry, do you have anything to add? Um, I totally agree with Carolyn there. I really think that Presently, being a colourist is such a huge part of hairdressing, both commercially and creatively. And um, we're seeing a, a huge rise of people that are actually looking to have colour in their hair and even sort of generations that maybe previously wouldn't have embraced colour. Uh, we're seeing a lot of younger clientele in our salon. Um, I think the rise of Instagram and YouTube has definitely increased the interest in colour um, from a fashion point of view. And we are seeing sort of early to late teens wanting to colour their hair a lot more than if you go back 20 years, you probably wouldn't have as many looking to do that. So it's really quite exciting. And if I can jump in here, I think having lived through the last few decades as a, as a teenager and a woman and working in the industry, I think because colour products have got so much better. So for me, the key thing mm. as a consumer and also as a journalist in the industry is that it's not you're not compromising the health of the hair to the extent that we might have been a few years ago there was always that mantra perm or color and we all went for perms <laughs> so i think that's also helped to drive the interest in color surely absolutely i mean there's so many products on the market now you have a uh, pigmented shampoos pigmented conditioners something you can just use and wash out afterwards so it's definitely increasing the use of color I'm seeing um, women in their 40s and actual early 50s come to me and say, why is your hair that lovely strawberry gold or rose blush? And I said, well, I used a shampoo and it's quite intense, but after a week it's washed out. And it's because they can put something in their hair that's soft and washes out, so they can do it for the weekend and then they can go to work. So they didn't experiment before because if they wanted something it had to it was much more permanent yeah and now they're experimenting but they're also seeing their contemporaries going for maybe a bold pink or a blue now they might not want to go bright but they actually thinking maybe i can experiment because it's it's those bright shades those pastel shades have become the norm now where before they weren't and I think also, alongside um, the rise of Instagram and, and social media and that, that we can see what other people are doing, 
again, if you put an analogy with cosmetic surgery, it used to be that you didn't want to look as though you'd had a nose job, yeah. um, or you didn't want to look as though you'd had your hair coloured, it was slightly sort of not British, whereas now we're much more proud of it, and it's mm. like, great, you know, mm. bring it on, which I think is also a real shift in the mindset of the consumer, that they're really interested in having colours that might look quite bold, yeah. quite fierce, quite adventurous more socially acceptable um 15 years ago if somebody walked down the road with green and pink hair you, everyone would stare and now i think nobody even bats an eyelid you you see it on tv you see it on celebrities um you've even seen it on i think a few of the royal family have had a few i think sarah yeah, yeah. Might have had a few pink <laughs> bits in her hair at one yeah. point and it's just and like you say with the social media eyes we're just saturated with images every yeah, day the shop window and, and nothing, has... nothing shocks anymore so yeah and how much do you find that your clients are coming to you with ideas that they've seen on social media do you th- is that is that a generational thing or are you seeing that through your whole clientele Kerry um with us it I would say it's it tends to be the sort of 20 year olds that are bringing in pictures off Instagram YouTube videos something they've seen on a pop video in a magazine um, so it doesn't tend to be the sort of later generations, um, but there's definitely a lot more inspiration out there with Pinterest and Instagram. So I think that expectations, colour has risen, um, but expectations have equally risen even higher, and that can that can sometimes be a bit of a problem. Yeah, unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations, absolutely. And I think with younger ones, I think they will see pictures and think that's what I'd like but they don't know how mm. what's got to happen and I think older clients are a little bit confused so they're coming in not knowing what to ask for so they really want advice and the youngsters want advice so the youngsters look at a picture and think I can just have that done and they're not aware of the maintenance they're not aware of the upkeep the cost um, and I think I think older clients I actually think Older hairdressers will see looks on Instagram and get also a little bit, I need to train and learn how to do these techniques because I don't know how to do them. So they get nervous as well. The hairdresser has to become the expert again. And when I mean expert, I mean prescribing what style is going to suit you, what colour is going to suit you, what's the maintenance, how we're going to achieve it. And make it much more simple for the client to understand. I think it could be a bit complicated. And I think just an honest approach as yeah. well. And don't I think especially with young colourists, sometimes they can be a little bit nervous to sort of, you know, explain what yeah, the process is. Some, yeah. And I think as long as you listen to your clients and you're actually honest with how the colour will mm. wash out and whether or not it suits them, mm. most people will accept that. They mm. they you know, they respect yeah. that you're the professional and yeah. They will take it on board, but I do think honesty is really key. If the colour is going to wash out in two shampoos, then as long as the client's aware of that, it's not a problem. Mm. Have we got out of this worry about um, about cost? There was a real concern a few years ago about how to offer services and explain to the client how they could leave longer between visits, for example, You know, as a result of the, the economic downturn. That was a real drain on salons expenditure services has have we got out of that yet or are people still looking for three or four months between color or are they are they back spending now i i think we've got out of that um a little bit i know when i do um, my clients i'm sort of very clear of when they're going to need their color refreshed and i think it became acceptable for roots that was the dip dry trend 
We also had the trend of longer hair. Um, in the last six months, we're seeing the return of the haircut, which I think is very exciting because that will change the placement of colour. Um, and I do sometimes see people saying, oh, we've done this colour and it doesn't need anything now for three to six months. And we all know how detrimental that can be to a, to a salon business. Um, so it's about being confident and honest to your client and saying, in four weeks, we'll need to refresh it. You might just need a few pieces, you know, lightened around the face, or we might need just to do a root touch-up hairline just to keep you going. That's interesting because you mentioned there about root touch-ups, and I know we talked about it earlier. There are lots of the big manufacturers now obviously do lines for the professionals, mm-hmm. obviously, but lines for the consumers too. So you can go and buy root touch-ups you know, from this, from Boots, Superdrug, you know, other pharmacies and stuff. How do you find that that, that works with your your clients, Kerry? Do you have a lot um, of them that are using those kind of products? Yeah, I have, we have quite a few clients that will touch up in between appointments. And again, I think it's really important not to be negative about this when your client comes in because uh, in today's age, time's also a big factor. And if a client does need to touch up their roots in between visits, then I don't see it as a problem as a professional colourist, as long as they're advised to what to use and what not to use and, you know, be aware that if they are stuck or if they are concerned, just just pop in and ask your colourist for the best advice. But I think there's definitely a rise in, in clients touching up their roots in between visits for sure. Because mm, we were talking about this earlier, mm. Carolyn mm. and I, um, about not trying to be too negative with your clients when they come in, if they have gone and done their own... Um, colour washes or, or box dyes. Carolyn? We've got the client that will always go to a salon. We have a client that will always do their hair at home, whether it's for cost or um, time. But what's happening and what's on the rise is what's called the mix-up. And they'll mix home uh, the home colour and they'll go and see a salon as well. So they might do their roots, but then they might want some highlights or some balayage. Um, and I think as a, as a professional hairdresser, first you need to embrace that your client is using colour and into colour. Um, and if you are negative about to them about them using at home colour, they might have thought they've done a good job. Um, and really you should say, that's brilliant, you know, what have you used? Um, this is what I'm going to use, but also I'm going to create a technique for you that you need to come and see me. Yeah, um, to work that, with it. Yeah, to work with it. And also, um, there'll be the odd times when the client says, I'm going away or I'm not going to be, come, be able to come in for this reason, so what can I use? And I would much rather recommend and tell them what to use at home so that when they come back, I've got full control. And yeah, I know exactly. so you understand. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of um, salons are concerned about the rise of home colouring. Yeah. I think... It opens up the market in a way. You're going to get all the correction business coming through, <laughs> which is not always a bad thing. But as you say, yeah, to try and see it as a positive, because there is still some scope left. Not everybody has colour. There's still people coming through. So the more people embrace it. I also think 15, I was saying this earlier, 15, 20 years ago, the actual um, technology of the home colour wasn't great. But home colour products have come on with leaps and bounds now. So they are less likely to damage the hair. It could be the application. Um, you know, and you have to give the advice. You know, if I have someone who has coloured their hair at home, I will very clearly say to them, if you want to be blonde, do it in a salon. If you want some balayage, do it in a salon. 
Um, but also, I have clients that are obsessed with, if, a, if they see a couple of greys coming through in two weeks' time, they want that gone. So the root touch-up products, which wash out immediately, are quite a good little thing for them to use two weeks in so that they come and see me four weeks so I've got a better regrowth to work with. So that's where I think we need to educate our clients on what they need to be doing at home, whether they're using a colour shampoo, a colour conditioner, how often. Um, and again, I'm, I feel that, you know, people see a purple shampoo and they're blonde. <laughs> and you'll probably come across that, hey, and they think they should have to use it once a day. And then they end up being grey, where actually they only need to use it once a week. So we need to educate. If there's any colour work being done by our clients at home, we need to tell them how to do it and what yeah. to use. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and you touched there on aftercare of colour, which is such a massive part of a colour service. When we have a client, you know, they come into the salon, they spend a couple of hundred pounds on a beautiful colour, and then they'll go home and wash their hair in their husband's two-in-one <laughs> yeah. shower gel. <laughs> In the last six months, we have seen a huge rain, a huge rise in um, colour shampoos and conditioners and root touch up products, and also a massive rise in semi permanent tone on tone colour, so like colour washes, coloured sprays, and that's, that's in both sectors. So that's in the hairdressing salons professionally and also. So that's, I think, what's made a change because, again, years ago, if you wanted to refresh your hair, there was no colour shampoos in places or in salons. You know, there might have been a silver or purple product around, but now you can get reds, you can get all sorts of shades, can't you? And these sort of products are actually increasing our business in salons because we have quite a few ladies that will pop in, uh, maybe they colour their hair every two visits and they have a haircut in between without a colour service, but they'll still pop in and ask for a, a colour conditioner over the top of their shampoo when they before have their, their haircut. haircut. Yeah. So you're actually adding mm. to your, to your, you're actually upselling your colour services even though you're not actually doing the colour service on that visit. So that's quite the potential to increase your business through colour products are actually quite good. There's so many new additions product-wise to the market these days and there's all the, the plexes and, and constant... Um, product innovations and developments coming through. I think Plex technology is an example of something that's been a great scientific discovery. When you think of the discoveries in skincare they have, hair care is actually in hairdressing is a lot slower. You know, we don't have all the rolling out that they have in the beauty industry. However, when we do something like the Plex technology, that's that's just going to be here to stay now and we'll see more and more products have it in the product. But I think what's very interesting is a new development that's happening now is these colour products that are coming out with less PPD and um, ingredients that can cause irritation and could cause allergic reactions. Is that something that the clients are increasingly concerned about? They're asking for things which are perhaps more eco-friendly, more sustainable, less damaging. Uh, Allergies seem to be more of a concern across the board, food allergies as well as product allergies. I think so. I know in the last 12 months, uh, 12 to 18 months, we obviously allergy test every client that comes in. And I've actually seen quite a lot of allergies come up that more than usual. And I don't know why that is, but I do think everybody's really aware of it at the moment. And we do have a lot of clients that come in and they're asking for an ammonia-free colour. Um, do we offer an organic colour? 
do we offer mm. you know is the shampoo sulfate free mm. and I just think that at the moment everyone is so aware of the environment um, in terms of the planet and in terms of themselves as well so that is something that I think is at the forefront of everyone's mind. Equally do you find that your both your teams and the people you come across when you educate and present do you think hairdressers are keeping up keeping pace with that concern or do we need to be on it a bit more? I'm talking about hairdressers rather than brands. I do feel as hairdressers we all need to be, I mean I think the hairdressing industry in general could be a little bit greener. I think we could all do a little bit more in terms of recycling plastic for sure. Um, But in terms of products, yeah I think in the future it it will actually become much more in demand to create softer, more natural, organic colours. And I think that we will see a rise in that, for sure. and colourists need to be aware. I think now everyone is aware of skin testing, but I think a lot of people worry about that because I think it makes a big impact on their business. So a client comes in, they can't do something. So if they had a product that they could use without skin testing, that would, to drive their business, it would help. Clients are definitely asking for more organic type colours and products. So I, I see a rise in that. We sort of went through a phase of that many years ago and then it sort of lost. And I think we're definitely seeing more a rise mm-hmm. in clients asking for, as you say, sulfate-free shampoos. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be led by the consumer for sure. When you're a colourist, you need to understand at least the basics of hair cutting and what your colour placement and your colour choice will do to that haircut. Um, we always say, um, Robert will always say in our, our salon that a good colour can make an average haircut look amazing, but a bad colour can also make a fantastic haircut look awful. Mm-hmm. So back to what you were saying earlier about colourists being the new rock stars, mm. it's such a huge impact on how the style looks, so I think vice versa. I think when I first came to London, it definitely was more focused on the specialist. So most salons had cutters and most salons then had but we were in the age where clients wanted more service from the hairdresser and so they wanted to feel I think more loved and more that they were in the chair with with a person Um, and I'd always been an an all-rounder I do think we're seeing the rise of experts within the colour so in the salon you will have all colourists or all people who cut the colour, but you'll have someone who is the balayage expert, the curly hair expert. So I do think we'll see more of that coming on colour. You know, the, the person that does the bleach and tone, um, because they'll just enjoy doing that and they'll get, and you'll still have your old foil highlighting, you know, expert. So often clients will be said, you know, oh, I'd like balayage, who's your expert? And they'll be driven to a certain person. Yeah. I think there are more techniques these days. There's loads there? more techniques, and yeah, and looks. And, and it isn't, it's much more blended and different. So some people are going to be better at that or enjoy that more. Um, and I do believe also we try to be good at absolutely everything. And I think less is more. If you find your thing, your skill, and you're good at something, you should really use that as your USP. In a salon, you have to stand out. Even if you're with all your stylists, why would a client choose you over the stylist next door to you? Mm. Um, so it's really with colour, because there's so many different services now, um, it's a great way of, of highlighting your expertise in that area. 
And the education is set up as well to support that. We now Absolutely. have coloured degrees from various yes. big brands, which are big investments. So mm. clearly you need to, to return that in the salon in some way by focusing on something. I think so. And also focusing, I, I feel people don't say enough, I'm an expert, I'm good at this area. And, and also when you've, when you've done one of those big degrees, you have the confidence you should be heightened in the salon as the colour expert, you should give second opinions to the youngsters to support them, you should be confident with all your colour decisions, but that's what those courses do give you, wouldn't you agree, Carrie? Yeah, they absolutely. give you confidence that you never knew you had before with, with colour. I think, yeah, that's, I mean, going back to what we said earlier about unrealistic expectations, you need to have the confidence in your ability to actually say, you know, sit down and explain to your client why colour might not work. I'd, well, in my career, I think I've turned away about six people. Um, but actually, it happened to me two weeks ago where I had a client and I felt what she wanted was going to damage her hair. Um, and also, it was very long and very curly. Um, and also, what, what she wanted to achieve was just not going to be achievable. And her hairdresser, but she came to me because her hairdresser had been saying no. And I said... I'm sorry, but your hairdresser is right. I, you know, if you want to see someone else, I that's fine, but I'm I'm not going to colour it for you. And I didn't like saying it to her, but I just believed in myself. I couldn't achieve what she wanted, and I was not going to start on that that journey. Yeah, I never, do, I hardly ever turn anyone away. <laughs> so yeah, that's very close to my heart. Oh, but you are a brand, aren't you? Yeah. Even if you work for. Uh, a, a salon group or you work as a freelancer yeah. you you are a brand and you do you want people yourself. exactly to go out and say oh I love your haircut where mm. do you who colored it who cut it I mean there's nothing worse as a colorist or, or probably in any profession than feeling like you've done a bad job I mean it's just the worst feeling ever and mm. I think you have to get to a point in your career when you have to say no and mm. I mean we spent a lot of time role-playing in our salon on dealing with the intimidating client. Oh, do I you? think that's quite the, the hard one, is when you have a client, especially if you're a young stylist and the client's you know, quite a bit older than you and very professional, it can be really intimidating for a 19-year-old colourist to actually say no. Mm. And it's something we work on a lot, that you know, you're the professional, you're the one that's done years of training, and you actually know, you know more. Yeah. And um, you know, that, it's a moment of awkwardness when you're having that conversation with a client, but it's not half as bad as how you would feel afterwards if you did it and it was a bad job. Well, it emphasises again what you all say all the time, is that the colour consultation yeah. is almost as key as any part of the process. Really, for, I don't think youngsters realise the importance of the consultation. I think it's the importance of it, and also it's a time factor, isn't it? Yes. If you want to spend 10 minutes or more having a consultation on an appointment time, that could really impact, mm. you know, the, the turnover of clients during the day. So yeah. I, arguably there might be a bit of pressure to not have such a long consult. But you can do it quickly by asking the right questions mm. to get you the right answers that means that you can then make the right decisions. And I think that's it. It's not, it's not how you say it, it's what you say and what you ask. Um, people often ask questions that they don't need to ask because they can see the answer. It's more the things that they need to find out so they can quickly make the decisions. Right. Um, because if they're asking more, they can, they can slow the cold consultation down 
where if they're more direct with their questions, they sometimes can make it much faster. I think it's something that I mean, hairdressers in and as, as a whole needs to work on because a communication breakdown between client and stylist is a disaster. And you can do this so quickly and not even notice if the body language is wrong, you've lost your client before you've even touched the hair. Mm. And with a colour consultation, you can make six or seven assessments about their colour just while you're seating your client in the seat before you've even spoken. You know, you can see their skin, you can see their dress sense, you can see their skin tone, their eye colour, even a little bit of their personality comes through. And all this is really important. Mm. And again, I think we do need to increase... The education on consultation because it's like you say it is the whole mm. it is key to the whole service going right for sure but I can imagine it's also that it's interesting what you're saying about um that your salon Kerry does the the role play of the consultations because I can imagine for a young stylist or a young colorist rather if they have some awkward consultations that can really damage their confidence as well to the point where they almost lose faith in their their training and their professional ability to be able to do these things absolutely I mean, it's so important our junior colorists will always do their consultation and then come to myself or our other color director katie and double check every time it's just yeah. it's ingrained and they do it automatically um but it does really knock your confidence if you get something wrong um you know you, you have that in your mind and you're seeing another new client and you just just it's just a downhill from there I think with young colourists as well, they sometimes they feel embarrassed to say to their client, well, I'm just going to ask yeah. my manager because it makes them feel yeah. like they maybe they don't, don't know what they're, they're doing. doing. Yeah. But, you know, the way we, we manage it at our salon is that that's just second nature yeah. and it just puts the client at ease as well. Then, you know, whether it's a complete change or whether you agree with them, you've got two brains mm. on the same job yeah. and there's much less chance of it going wrong. Mm. And the most important thing is really, you know, getting the client to like their colour so they come back. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I totally agree. I think it's how you present. We're going to get, I'm going to get a second opinion um, because we want the best colour for you. And really that's what, it, what it's about. And I think, I think clients are much more accepting of this now. I think most of the big salons I know, the big names, they all do second opinions with their youngsters. And then the smaller salons all up and down the country do the same thing. So I think now... It's a much more accepted um, structure, especially when we say the level of client expectation is higher. I'm interested, has the spectrum of clients got broader? Obviously, the, first and foremost, do we have more men getting their hair coloured? But has the age range got broader? Perhaps as a bit of a purist, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I'd have said, oh, don't, you know, children shouldn't have their hair coloured and a good salon would refuse to do so. Have is it as products have got better? Is it okay? Is it 12, 13 year old girls equally going up to much older I people? Grey coverage has got better. I well. think the big issue with the youngsters is um, from insurance point of view, most insurers will only cover you if you colour someone's hair 16 at the age of 16. So, from what I gather from talking to people in the street, it it is 16, but we, as Kerry said, you know, there, there are young girls wanting to have the, their colour colour done. Um, so it's finding sort of safe safe products. Um, I always felt through the age of 13, 14, their hair was going through change anyway. So it was better that they were more 15, 16. But I think it's more down to the salon's policy, um, but also checking with their insurers. 
because if there was an issue um, and you're not insured for it, you could it could be in a bit of yeah. hot water. So from that end of point of view, I don't know what it's like for... And I've definitely seen an increase in clients bringing their teenage yeah. daughters in, especially in school holiday. You know, they want some colour. And, and we do colour um, if they're under 16, uh, providing that their parents consent and are present with them for the whole process. Yeah. And we wouldn't do um, a full scalp no. colour. We don't put any chemicals actually directly onto the skin. So it's usually just a few sort of pink ends or or maybe just yeah, a, a wash in, wash out. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, or they have maybe a coloured streak as an extension instead, yeah. which is actually probably even better. Mm. So we do we try not to turn them away because we know they'll just go to Boots with their yeah. friends and ruin yeah. their hair, you know, anyway. so um, But I think it's something we definitely need to be careful of. I've seen an increase in, in quite a lot of my sort of um, older ladies coming in that haven't coloured their hair at all. Um, and even they want some of the, the crazy <laughs> pink action. And, you know, we have one lady that has a bit of a pastel pink slice through her fringe. And I think she's 87 now. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so what a woman. She's amazing. On the bike still. And she just has a little baby yeah. pink flash at the front. Yeah. And she loves it. I guess we're growing up with colour. So those of us that are living through the bolder, and more fierce colour looks now will take that with us. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that was a rather nice idea. There are clients who are starting to embrace their grey hair a little bit more. Mm. Um, and we were seeing that initially a client would come in and want to cover their grey. And they might be quite grey at the front, but they'd have the whole head coloured. And now they're going more half head, so they're maybe just dealing with the grey at the front and letting the hair be more natural with a few streaks of grey at the back. And I think I think that's because of the grey hair trend. So it was trendy to have a grey tone on your hair. Mm. So I like that because it made it cool to have grey hair. So those women that were walking around, you know, like Judy Dench and you know, that silvery hair was actually on trend. A lady last week actually said to me, you know, I don't want to cover my grey. I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud mm-hmm. of my grey hair. Um, I just I just want to disguise it a little, but I'd still like to see some. And they're looking for just almost a slight coverage. So Blend. the grey is still shining yeah. through, but it's not as harsh rather than the matte sort yeah. of coverage. Yeah. Uh, a lot of clients growing out their grey um, and embracing their grey, which yeah. is but still colouring their hair, even when it is fully grey, they, they still come and have a toner or... Um, like you say, a, a toning shampoo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, perhaps definitely... colour has become less ageist. Perhaps that's the biggest mm, trend. You know, yeah, whereas the blondes yeah, would have been for the younger girls and the greys. Perhaps colour is perhaps. And when you think of the kinky, like you know, a tone, a rose gold tone, that can be worn by an eighty-two-year-old all the way down to a sixteen-year-old. Yeah. So I think you're right. There isn't no age. There used to be a very strong age reflection very inspiring thank you very much ladies there's lots in there um how could we possibly tackle the entire world of color in a short (laughs) podcast i don't know i think we've made a good stab at it but hopefully we will carry on the conversation with you guys and with other people and hopefully we've inspired listeners too so thank you very much kerry Thank you. And thank you so much, Sir Carolyn, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, you're more than welcome. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you to everyone listening to the podcast this week. I'm Nikki Pope and my partner is Lily Cox and we've prepared notes for you on interesting reading and practical advice on what you can do to join in the conversation. Please also don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to Respectfully on iTunes. If you'd like, 
Email us at info at ihaa.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Until then, goodbye.